Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the first edition of The Analyst Inside Cricket. I'm Simon Hughes, The Analyst, and this is Simon Mann. Hello, good to be here, Simon. We're going to give you a weekly diet of cricket discussion, opinion and comment about the big issues as we travel around the cricketing globe. And we'll have interviews with the top players and celebrities who are passionate about the game. Today we're going to ask, has England's test team lost its way? And is test cricket in general evolving rapidly enough to keep pace with the challenge of T20? We have Alistair Cook debating whether he really enjoys captaining and insight from South African great Barry Richards about the influx of South African players into county cricket. Also, each week we're going to bring you our highlight lowlight of the week, the thing we most love or most hate about the game of cricket. I can't wait. I can't wait to find out what yours is. And importantly, we want to hear from you. So please give us a review on iTunes and tell us what you think. Or you can comment on Twitter at the analyst or at cricket underscore man with two ends. So where do we start, Simon? Alistair Cook? I think we have to start with Alistair Cook, uh, the man who's waiting for his fate to be either decided by Andrew Strauss or deciding it himself. We still don't quite know in the middle of the week before England play a one-day series in India. Uh, but I sense that uh, it's time for him to, to hand the reins over. Whether he makes that decision or whether Andrew Strauss makes that decision, I don't know. But I, I just see Cook watching him at the end of that series, talking to him also but prior to the series. You just sense that his time was up as captain. Well, well, that's an interesting point about who makes the decision. I mean, it's assumed that Cook gets to make the decision. But, I mean, is there a sense in which you know, England can say, look, we, we don't think it's quite working anymore. I know he's had you know, lots of public backing from the, from the coaching staff. But, you know... Is it up to Andrew Strauss to make a, a tough decision? To say, actually, no, Alistair, actually, I think it's time for you to go. Yeah, it may be. I think if you look back to uh, Cook's losing the one-day captaincy, he was still captain in Sri Lanka when you and I were out there watching the one-day series. And uh, it was you almost had to sort of wrestle the, 
the captaincy reins from him because he was determined to to try and make a good job of the. Well, there was a World Cup coming up as and well. There was a World Cup, it? and he felt he was destabilising the the team and the outfit by stepping down just a month before. But in the end, he was relieved of his post. I think this time, just looking at his general demeanour. And uh, the, the hardship of, of touring India for the second time as well, having won the first time, I just think, in a way, the four-year cycle of England captain, that demanding job which has so much to it, you know, it's, it's not just directing operations on the field, but also off it as well. And being the point of contact, being the person that has to be interviewed in every situation, having the, the responsibility of so many players and so much status, so much responsibility, just it gets too much for you. And you look at all the captains... None of them have really survived more than that three, four-year cycle. I remember after the South Africa series, I, I asked him, actually, it's Centurion. I said to him, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you about your future now, because, not because you've lost, but because you've won. Actually, you know, he won in South Africa. He's, he won in India. He's won the Ashes. I wonder whether, actually, at the end of the South African series, whether that would have been a... You know, in, I know it's easy with hindsight, but I did ask the question at the time, whether that would have been a better time for him to go. Joe Root or whoever, it looks like it's going to be Joe Root, gets the chance to, to lead an English summer, take the team to India and have another full summer before England play the Ashes. I wonder whether that would have been a, a, a better time. I know, of course, it, it, it hasn't happened. It didn't happen like that. And, you, you know, you just look at England over... You know, what, have they, what have they achieved over 2016 as a test team? Actually, very little. They've sort of they've gone backwards, really. And the thing is that, that captains are so important. Uh, if I look back to the, the guy I played under Mike Brearley because he was always engaged in captaincy, because he was always thinking, because he found the whole sort of art of making players better about themselves, making them feel better about themselves, making them perform better. He found that also fascinating. So it became, you know, he got an extra 10% out of every player he, he captained. He lifted the team to make them to be more than the sum of their parts. And that, that's the key to, to being a captain. You have to be energised. You have to love the job. I don't think, latterly... Cook has loved the job and it was interesting the insight that I got when I did an interview with him just actually over the phone in fact uh, just before the India series started and I asked him you know one simple question do you really enjoy captaining and it was just interesting to see see what his answer was do, do you actually enjoy do you really enjoy being captain um it has its moments where I enjoy it and it has its moments when it's uh uh, particularly, it is hard work. I, I do look forward to the day that hopefully I can play a test match as just a batter. I really, mm. you know, I do look forward to that day. There is no, there is no doubt. There's no doubt about about that. If that happens, I, uh, I don't know if it will happen. But if uh, I do look forward to that day, I really go enjoy going back to Essex and standing at first slip and being the bloke who suggests stuff to to Tendo or Fosley rather than the bloke who actually has to make the finals. So, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, that he was very hesitant about answering the question whether he really enjoys it. I, I suppose two years ago when he was in the throes of beating well, South Africa in the winter, that was a year ago, or but prior to that, winning the Ashes, say, he probably would have said, yeah, I love it. But once you... And this was before England played India, so and they'd lost in, in Bangladesh, so... He was obviously not sure whether he really enjoyed it anymore. And he, was, he immediately said there, I can't wait for the day when I'm just a batsman. And I think as soon as you say that, you, you, you're, you're done, really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to have that 100% commitment to the job, the passion, the energy, the enthusiasm, live it day and night. 
24-7. And if you haven't got that, I, I, I think that conveys itself to the players, even subliminally, and certainly to yourself. And, I, you know, just looking at him during that India series, he wasn't engaged. Uh, unfortunately, as a player, as a batsman, his greatest strength is being disengaged, being in his own bubble, playing his own way, being unaffected by the surroundings and the situation. But in a way, that is his greatest skill as a batsman, and it's a disadvantage as captain. Yeah, I mean, nothing happened in India, as far as I was concerned, that, that were any, you know, any different from from what we were expecting to happen, did it? I mean, you, you probably weren't necessarily expecting two hundred stands for the what was it, the eighth wicket, or a record score of seven hundred and fifty. But I think a lot of people thought that it was going to be four, five nil. I didn't think it was going to be five nil. Actually, it wasn't. But actually, they did take a, a real hammering. They lost the Test match in Bangladesh. They lost, you know, five of those seven test matches. It wasn't particularly surprising, though. You know, it was a, in a way, it was a bit like that Sri Lanka series, the one-day series before we lost the captaincy before the World Cup. Nothing actually happened in Sri Lanka that was surprising. They lost 5-2. Well, you know, that was about what they were going to um, achieve. Same with India. But I suppose it just wear you down, just standing there watching your bowlers being thrashed around by, you know, wonderful batsmen. No, you haven't got the ammunition to cope. And you, you, you must think, how much more of this... Do I want? Yeah, it must yeah. be someone else's job now. Yeah, and and just the way the team is sort of starting to shape up as well, with more younger batsmen in, with the sort of Root, Stokes, Bearstow, Butler kind of axis coming into the team, you sort of feel it's almost an, an, a new generation. And Cook will still be invaluable as a batsman, and they need his runs at the top of the order. Perhaps actually Mike Selby, interestingly, in the Cricketer magazine, has suggested him batting at number three. In, in future. Well, they're going to have to make a decision there, aren't they? Because they've got Hamid and they've got Jennings. So they're, they're, a decision is going to have to be made. Uh, of course, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't sort of finish the, the Cook discussion without just saying he has been a fantastic leader of men. I love the little things that he's brought into the team, like the, the respect for the opposition, the, the generosity in defeat at times, the, the lack of kind of exuberant celebration when they win, because he's, he's quite a measured character. And things like when you've had a really hard session in the field, there is a temptation to leg it off the field and get drinking and change your shirt and all that. But he obediently waits respectfully until the opposition batsmen, who've probably caned it everywhere, have left the boundary rope and crossed the, uh, the line to the dressing room first before the team do. He's stopped uh, things like um, Twitter and uh, Facebook interaction straight after the game with the players so they can talk about the game and kind of be a team rather than lots of individuals I like lots of the things he's done the examples he's set but in the end it may be the right time just to have a a, nif- a different sort of personality as captain yeah well it could well be that that will happen and you know Joe Root is the well it seems like he's he's the only candidate to take over what about the team in general uh, you know they've had a poor 2016 I know they've played an awful lot of cricket um, was it 17 test matches in a year which is a, a lot especially that the, the tour of India uh, they've, they've lost eight of those matches uh, there were, were high points the high point came really right at the start of the year with the win in, in South Africa it, it seems to me I mean I've, I've thought this for a while with the England test team is that they've got they've got lots of talent they've got lots of good players but they're all in the in the same sort of positions um, a lot of all-rounders. A lot of all-rounders. I mean, that has changed slightly towards the end of the South African series when they when they found they seem to have found some top-order players. I mean, Hamid, early days, but the way he shaped in India, I mean, he was it looks looks as if he's got you know, a lot of class, high, you know, lots of potential. Jennings, you know, hundred in the first Test match, fifty in the second. I mean, you know, he he's an option as well. So they, it, it's possible that actually they sort of come across um, a solution to their top-order 
problems. Almost by default. Well, a little bit, accident. yeah. A little bit with Jennings, I suppose, yeah. Um, the bowling worries me now uh, a little bit because, you know, the spinners have, have, have not really moved on, I don't feel. I think still Adil Rashid is a nervous character who struggles when the pressure's on and he, he lacks confidence. So he can't be relied on as the number one spinner, which means it's going to be Moen Ali again. And Moen, I think, has regressed uh, slightly. He just doesn't seem to have kicked on as a bowler. So England, there is there is you know a real window of opportunity there for someone to put their hand up and say, I can be this go-to spinner, the Graham Swan of the 2015 to 20 sort of era, if you like, um, and, and, and be that kind of banker, because they're only going to play one spinner in test in England for sure in the in the well, summer. he plays as a top order batsman though, plays at number five and you can play a spinner. Second spinner. That would be great that would be down. great. That would be great. But there's you know there's quite a lot of batsmen sort of champing at the bit for places, so with with Jennings and, and Hamid coming on board as well. So it's gonna be quite it's sort of tricky. And Anderson Broad That's a big you know, problem, isn't it, Fring? It's a it's a big problem that's looming. You can you can see it. It's not it's actually closer than the horizon. And, and isn't it? see they've got seven tests very quick succession in in the summer starting they're not starting test matches till july next year so to expect those guys especially jimmy anderson to to get through all those seven tests chris wokes is obviously improving it would be nice to see mark wood come back Mm. i think they need that extra thrust from somewhere so do you think the team actually has regressed or that point i made earlier that you know what were they? What could they do in India? You know whoever was whoever was captain in India. You know, if it been Mike Brearley, would he have been able to get enough out of his spinners to check India's top class batsmen? I, I suspect not. I mean, England, for example, they did win four tosses. They did score over four hundred or four hundred or over in their first innings three times, and yet they still lost. Yeah, they still lost four nil. Yeah. So I mean, that suggests that. Well, they were still finding their roles, weren't they? The batsmen. Where did Moen Ali bat? You know, Butler was coming in at number seven. Bairstow was moved up to number five. He'd kept wicket loads and then had to go out and bat. It's, it's, they haven't still kind of sorted out their batting order. And until they do that and start scoring consistent runs, they're not going to be a consistent test team. No. I mean, do you, do you see them as... Can they win the Ashes? Can they regain, retain the Ashes? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, don't think so. I don't think Australia are that good. I mean, they've come back well after playing poorly against South Africa. They've come back well against Pakistan, but we know Pakistan are, are fairly unpredictable. Steve Smith showed, I think, the, the power of a new captain or a newish captain because he really regenerated Australia. And that's that, that's in a way that indicative of what, what a captain can do, you know, with changing the, the, the mentality a little bit and getting everybody rejuvenated and suddenly they're playing like a, a really good team. They have got a good, good raw material, good basic ingredients. I think it'll be I think the ashes is brimming up with England sort of emerging with their younger players coming into the side as well. I think it could be an absolute classic. Yeah, I mean, they have got some top-class players, really exciting players to watch as well. You know, the likes of, of Stokes and Root and Hamid. I just feel there's a few, there are a few gaps in the side. Perhaps there are fewer gaps in the side than there were, having found the, the top-order players. Just going back, I mean, 2016, I, I actually thought the most disappointing performance for England in 2016 was at the Oval. When they were two and up against Pakistan, they'd come back brilliantly at Edgbaston to lose that game. I think that was that was the game for me, which made me think, you know, how, actually, how good is this England Test team? How how all round strong are they? Mm. And I thought that was the most disappoint actually, the most disappointing defeat they had last. Uh, actually, th- there's been you know generally a lot of very one sided Test matches, hasn't there, over the last year or two? It seems that home advantage is massive, and then at the end of a series, when sometimes it's a dead rubber. The home team tend to lose, but 
overall, the, the, the test matches that we've seen you know, around the world, and there have been a lot, have been a bit one-sided. There haven't been too many tight games, as if home advantage generally has been a, a very strong uh, decider, decisive factor. Yeah, well, that's why I thought that game was particularly disappointing because he yeah. had the home yes. advantage. They, they, they squandered the toss the there, I think. Yeah, you know, Cook actually got the toss wrong, and in fact, he in his interview that I, I, I did, he did admit that he should have done whatever he did in the other way round. He should have. Well, he listened. He listened to Alex Stewart, yeah. and Alex knows the oval, you know, like the back of his hand, that he said bat first, and Cook said we consulted Alex, we batted first, <laughs> and it, it all went wrong. I remember being out there at the toss, and you thought, mm, this feels like a, this feels like a bowl first morning. But uh, they didn't, and Pakistan won comfortably. Yeah. What about um, Test cricket in general? We talked about the England team. What about Test cricket in general? Is is it doing enough to keep pace with the challenge of T20? I mean, it's very easy just to turn on your television and watch the action coming in from Australia, and you see, you know, the back end of a Test match in Australia, uh, and then you see the big bash later on in the evening, and the, the difference in the crowd sizes are, are enormous, aren't they? Um, is that how much of a concern is that, or do you say over the course of a game, you know, say say eighty thousand people turn up to watch a test match from days one to five, does that you know does that compensate, or is it all about attendances on the day? You know, if you've got to better fill your stadium on the day, I mean, it's a lot to ask, isn't it, to have. Yeah. 40,000 people at the SCG every single day for a test match. I, I'm sadly, I, I don't want to sound like a doom monger, but I, I, I think if you look at uh, test cricket as a sort of financial uh, exercise, it's, it's, it's doomed because test cricket demands space, as in a big ground, big space, and time. And people haven't got space. Space is expensive, property is expensive, and time people haven't got anymore. So... The idea of playing five five-day test matches in a summer and hoping that they're all going to be sold out is just a pipe dream. Uh, the, clearly, the, the iconic test series in the future will survive, like obviously the Ashes. But uh, I can see, firstly, they, they're going to need to, to condense it into four-day test matches, which makes a lot more I sense think to me. that's bound to happen. I think you? it's bound to happen, and I think it makes a lot of sense, actually. I know that there'll be many purists out there who say, oh, you know, what about the fifth day, and what about draws, and so on. You can still do that. You can still play. Extra, you can have extra overs. I know that means they're going to be staying till you know, a bit later, but they've got floodlights. I, I can see, you know, slightly longer days play, but I think put a bit more pressure on teams to to play proactive cricket. Some of the test matches we've seen recently have been quite dull in the middle periods of play. Batsmen could be put under a bit more pressure to to take the initiative, and you know, wider than that about the, the four day test matches. I, I think we definitely desperately need a World Test Championship mm. to give it context, and the ICC have been prevaricating about that for a long time. It, you have to have something that gives each match a bit more meaning. If we do go to four-day tests, and I, I, I'm a big advocate of five-day tests, but I'm, I'm, I've recently just been beginning to waver a little bit about oh. you know, it might, might be worth going to four-day tests. I haven't totally made up my mind, but I was a big five-day test man. If, but if we do go to four-day tests, they have to sort the overrate out. And I think there's nothing wrong with some artificial penalties for, for teams that fail to bowl their overs in time. For example, I remember there was a, a good suggestion, interesting suggestion. Um, you need to really think it through. Last summer, someone was saying that if a team hasn't bowled their overs by 6 o'clock or 6.30, the team who are batting at that time um, can score freely without players being out. You know, things like that. I mean, I know that sounds <laughs> yeah. very radical. It sounds, it sounds artificial. But actually, it would concentrate minds, wouldn't it, and get teams to, 
to bowl their overs in time. I don't think it's acceptable anymore that we have six and a half hours and you know there are still three overs not bowled. Mm. The, the reason I think that, people say, well, it, the, you know, it's still very exciting, you know, and we get results inside five days. As a spectator, if you watch the game, it just, just seemed to be standing still. And I think the game, actually, the game of Test cricket has to be more dynamic. Mm. When I watched the county championship decided between Middlesex and Yorkshire, I was commentating on the game. You get, you get a sense of the rhythm of the game when you're commentating. And I would turn to my summarise at the end of the over, and you, you know, you'd expect a long gap, and you know, they have a lot to say. But actually... They didn't have time to say very much because the bowler was ready to bowl the next over. Mm. Because in county championship cricket, you have got to bowl more overs. And teams, they, they do it. And you're, you're really conscious of it happening. You're conscious of the game moving quickly. And it's not hard to do, actually. It's just little tiny things like being in your position when the batsman's taking guard, when a new batsman comes in, rather than being still in the huddle and trying to decide what to do, getting quickly to your mark, jogging to... Your, your bowling mark at the end of the previous over, so you're ready to go, handing your cap to a, the mid-off fielder who can jog in and give it to the umpire. So there's lots of little things like that they can definitely do to, to speed up the game. W- one other thing that worries me about Test cricket is the weakening of some of the lesser countries. Yeah. And I, when I say weakening of the lesser countries, I mean, South Africa are not a lesser country in terms of performance, but in terms of numbers, they are. And they're losing players now to counties... The, uh, the exploiting the coal pack idea. Coal pack. Do you know what the, do you know what the coal pack are? Everyone talks about coal pack. Can you remember what that is? He was a Mario coal yeah. pack. I think he was a German player, handball. Handball. A German handball player, and who tried to play in another country and was able to do so under the European uh, Court of Law. And South Africa qualify under that same thing. So South Africans who, uh, I think it's actually it helps if you have one parent who's got an English connection, doesn't it? But Anyway, um, there are lots of these players opportunistically coming to England to play county cricket because they can earn 100000 a year playing for a, a county. They're not sure of their place in the South African side, players like Carl Abbott, where they'll probably earn le- less than half that, especially with the exchange rate. Now, that has a potential to really weaken um, countries, not just South Africa. And just to pick up on that, I... I thought I'd ask a, a South African great who, of course, also played cricket in county cricket in England for Hampshire, Barry Richards, what he thought about it from the South African perspective. Is South African players coming to England to play for county cricket sort of almost deserting South Africa? Is that good for Test cricket? It's a difficult one because, uh, you know, obviously everybody, I think 2017 onwards is going to be the years of the independent contractors. So, I mean, it's going to be incumbent on a lot of countries uh, how they're going to go about keeping their own players because, you know, with the, the surplus of uh, one-day competitions, test cricket is under enormous threat. Uh, and unless the RCC pay attention to it, um, you'll be left with uh, the Icon series, you know, the Ashes and you know, South Africa versus Australia. But what happens to the minnows? It's going to be very difficult for them to keep going and, and for TV audiences to, um, you know, to be, be engaged in all of that. Problem, isn't it? It is, it is a huge problem. Although, I mean, if you give this some context, though, when you look back, I mean, what you didn't have, of course, was 2020, but when you know, Sri Lanka first came into Test cricket, OK, they had, they had big crowds when they first started, you know, the first Test match they played against England, but crowds in, in Sri Lanka have never been that good for test cricket, crowds uh, even I mean e- even in England at times haven't been that good. In fact, they're much better now. It seems to me than say in the seventies when I was first started watching cricket. Nineteen eighty one at Headingley, 
when that, that famous test match took place. The, the, the ground wasn't full when Ian Botham was smacking it around on the Monday. So there, there, there's that, because now we've got T20, and T20 is extremely glamorous. Now, one point about South Africa I would make, of course, is that, that they, are change, they are trying deliberately to change their cricket, aren't they? They want more black players to play... The quota system. The quota system. It's, it's a deliberate policy. We're not being controversial here. It's what, you know, it is what they are trying to do. So inevitably, while that's happening, white players are going to leave South Africa, it seems to me, and more and more black players are going to play for South Africa. So they're taking, a, you know, South Africa and cricket is taking a longer view. Obviously, it feels damaging to them at the moment that they're losing quality players. But what their hope is, is that, I, you know, in... I don't know, 20 years' time, a South African team you know, might have eight black players and, and three white players or 11 black players or 10 black players. And that is, is that, that's part of the transformation programme. It seems to me, anyway, that and at the moment there's that sort of collateral damage of white players coming to England because they, they can earn a lot of money here and perhaps they don't totally feel secure about their, their place in the side. Very much so. And it, it's, it's great opportunism from the Hampshires and Sussexes and people like that who've, who've picked up these players, and no doubt it will enhance the, the strength of county cricket, especially with less England players playing because they're rested by England, so they don't play much. I, mean, I noticed the other day that Joe Root has played five T20s for Yorkshire in three years. Mm. So, you know, looking ahead, I suppose, when we do get uh, the new concept, a new city-based T20 tournament, some of those England players... Plus, a few of these cold plats are going to have to play to, to make sure that it's a really good product. Should we do our yeah. highlight, low light? Why not? Highlight. What, what are you going to have, the highlight or the low well, light? I'll, I'll go for the highlight this time. Uh, uh, and I, I just think I've been watching a bit of the Big Bash and other T20s. And I, although my first love is Test cricket, I do appreciate T20, particularly the way it brings other sports into, into the game. The, sh- the shots that batsmen play now have got products of hockey uh, with the sort of flick shots over their shoulder and tennis with that sort of top spin forehand biff over deep mid wicket. The golf follow through and the hip positions of the big drives over the top. Uh, in fact, uh, I went down to uh, the power hitting clinic run by Julian Wood, a former Hampshire player, and uh, he gets a hurling stick out to actually practice sort of hurling wristy positions to hit the ball through the offside. So uh, just the way that cricket has embraced other sports has been brilliant. What about you? For, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to ask you. Miserable <laughs> miserable man, a low light. <laughs> yeah, well, my, my, one of my... It's a, it's a small bugbear, but uh, it actually goes back to this idea of, of promoting test cricket. So when test cricket is played, no one knows who's playing because there are no names and numbers on the back of shirts. People don't... Very few sports allow this to happen. Tell the public who is playing. People traditionally say, oh, you know, you, you know we, we, we know the players and it's all about getting to know the players. No, draw the public in. Let them know who's playing. Put names and numbers on their shirts. I mentioned this to Tom Harrison, who's the chief executive at the, the ECB uh, about a year ago. And actually, he took a note. He wrote it down. He, he said, well, that's not, that's not a bad suggestion. So let's make it happen. First influence you've ever had on English cricket. <laughs> probably, probably. Well, well, it, it hasn't it, happened yet. Hasn't <laughs> Actually, perhaps they should put the Twitter handle on their on their back, and then you could actually communicate with them. Well, that that will be happening in about twenty years' time. But at least to tell people who's playing, put their numbers and names on. They do it in the county championship. Has the county championship fallen apart? Has the world split in two? No, it hasn't. The cricket game goes on. Do it in Test cricket as well. Good call. Well, listen, time's up. 
Uh, it's been fun talking to you. Don't forget to leave a review of what you thought on iTunes. And we're off to India now to, to commentate on England's one-day series out in India. So we're looking forward to that. It's going to be fascinating. England had a, t- a terrible record in the 21st century in India. They changed their approach to one-day cricket. Will it work? Well, we'll see. So the next one of these will be uh, next Tuesday. Uh, look forward to talking to you then. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.